0: Business News, 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business
2: Flash. From Bloomberg World Headquarters, I'm Charlie Pellett. Stocks continue to trade, lower. 13 minutes to go ahead of the close. The Dow, the S&P, NASDAQ, all trading down. We have got the S&P 500 index down three-tenths of one percent. Looking like an up week, though, for the S&P 500 index. Uh, The S&P dropping six points now to 2140. Dow Industrials down 70, also a drop of four tenths of one percent. Nasdaq is down three, a drop there of one tenth of one percent. Tenure up one thirty second. The yield one point six nine percent. Gold down five seventy the ounce to thirteen oh eight, a drop of four tenths of one percent. And crude oil, West Texas Intermediate, down one and a half percent, forty three twenty three for barrel of West Texas Intermediate crude. I'm Charlie Pellet, and that's a Bloomberg Business Flash.
0: You're listening to Taking Stock with Kathleen Hayes and Pim Fox on Bloomberg Radio. All right, it's time now for the ETF report. It is brought to you by Herco, an American industrial technology company with global reach and a long history of disruptive innovation. To learn more about Herco, visit hurco.com slash investors, NASDAQ ticker symbol H-U-R-C. Let's go to Catherine Cowdery for the Exchange Traded Fund Report.
1: The Federal Reserve is giving some gold investors a case of the jitters. Over the past week, investors have pulled $698 million from Spider Gold Shares, or GLD. It's the largest ETF backed by the metal. Cohen and Steers Capital Management was overweight on gold until last week when comments from some Fed officials boosted speculation that the central bank will raise interest rates as soon as this month. That would make gold less competitive as an asset class compared to interest-bearing investments. Cohen and Steers decided to play it safe and lowered its gold allocation. Overall holdings in GLD have dropped from a three-year high that was reached in July. The gold rally has stumbled after the metal posted its best first half in almost four decades. There's increasing caution over interest rates and the rising dollar. Gold has given up its second-half price gain. That's your Bloomberg ETF report. I'm Catherine Cowdery.
0: You're listening to Taking Stock with Kathleen Hayes and Pim Fox on Bloomberg Radio. The election and your investments. Doug Sioka is the chief executive officer and partner of Kavar Capital Partners, helping to manage nearly half a billion dollars. He's based in Leewood, Kansas. He can be followed on Twitter at Doug Sioka, C-I-O-C-C-A. All right, Doug Sioka, what is the relationship between presidential elections and market cycles?
2: Hey Pim, good afternoon and thanks for having me on. I think that um there are a myriad correlations or correlations that are drawn between the election and the markets. And I think the implications for the investor are probably more in- intense than they are for the market, right? This is a much more emotional than it is an economic consideration. Elections themselves, by virtue of their design, are binary events, but the influence of their outcome—I mean, it's very, very progressive. So, people are 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 considering, boy, there's got to be another erosion of confidence in this market, which has been thin to begin with, because the margin of victory of this election—it could be historically small. Then we look at congressional alignment and is there the prospect of persistent gridlock. Then we're finally experiencing something that we should have expected in an election year all along is an elevation of market volatility. So the confluence of rising rates and this ambiguous presidential election result, I think that is what's making the current environment somewhat combustible. But again, a lot of this is very short term in nature. And the long-term implications that we are trying to share and and preach to our clients have a lot – the the performance is going to have a lot more to do with the state of the economy, the valuation of equity markets, the current cost of capital, than it is going to have anything to do with the next occupant of the Oval
0: Office. All right. So having said that, where are you suggesting that investors put their money?
2: Yeah. I mean, if you think of the world, right, within which we have opportunities to invest – you can characterize it by kind of three, uh, traits. You've got slow growth. You've got flat yield curves. And flat, I guess, would be an implication of a positive component of a yield curve, which is not the case all around the world. I was going to say, but though and it's, it's,
0: but it is, it is steepening. Just to hang on there, when you talk about the yield curve, right? I mean, haven't we seen a steepening in the yield curve for U.S. Uh, treasuries?
2: A little bit, and I think it's been interesting to watch just this week, right? We right. saw an, an absolute sell-off on the long end, and we saw a, a, a little bit of a rally on the short end. And this was on uh, Lael Bernard, Brainerd's comments on Monday. And the CPI this morning that came out, we've seen a little bit of backup on the long end, and, and we've seen a little tightening on the short end as it, it raises the prospect of um, – at least maybe consideration of putting September back on the table, which we think is very unlikely. But historically speaking, Penn, we're talking about pretty flat curves because we do have, even though we may see a little bit of thaw into the winter, we have a frozen Fed. If they do anything, I think it will be under the title of being symbolic than it is impactful if it's a quarter or an eighth even of a point that takes place going into the year end. But, Slow growth, flat curve, frozen Fed, we think expected returns higher away from the U.S. than in the U.S. And we're thinking about places for capital that uh, have more of an economic than an interest rate sensitivity to
0: them. Such as?
2: Companies that – so healthcare so healthcare stocks. Some but you're talking stocks- global
0: health care then.
2: Correct. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and again, with, if you think about companies that sell products or offer services that have very high inelasticity of demand, that will always tend toward healthcare. care, particularly now when valuations become more attractive, given the political punching bag that that sector is.
0: Could that be an example like Johnson & Johnson? And they just announced today the purchase of Abbott's eye surgery unit, uh, more than four and a quarter billion dollars.
2: Which is we absolutely think that the healthcare sector has is kind of that that proverbial coiled spring of consolidation that awaits and whether they need some clearance because of the legislative clouds they We're still coming off of the anti-inversion regime that pfizer was whacked down with we've got the epipen public uh, relations and pricing debacle we've got martin Scarelli that's still in people's vernacular and healthcare has been absolutely under assault and in not every case undeservedly so but i think when j and j who after making that action today stock is very stable we're seeing a rally in abbott because that unlocking of value in a depressed sector is an invariability for profit-seeking opportunists.
0: Well, irony of ironies that you know the Abbott uh, eye surgery uh, unit, Abbott uh, Labs, uh, medical optics. It was it was at one point owned by Allergan. Um, uh, turn your attention now to all right. So we talked about healthcare, global healthcare. What else yeah. outside the United States?
2: Consumer staples, consumer staple sectors. Um, you know, you and I have spoken in the past about our our company's penchant for the proverbial sin stocks, right? Companies that sell self-indulgent products, be they tobacco or alcohol, fast food, caffeine, uh, things of that nature, that again have the high you know, elasticity of demand that could be beneficiaries of strange currency meanderings. But they're seeing elevation of their cash flows. One of the things that's been fascinating over the last 18 months has been the success. Of these low volatility etfs right i'm sure you've spoken to people on your program about boy this is a comforting spot in an otherwise ambiguous market low vol, low vol low vol and low vol has a connotation of high free cash flow which is high dividends which backs into those sectors that i just mentioned internationally it has not been the case and internationally if you have low vol because you've got Brand franchises that have discounted values, they are bound to attract some capital, particularly when you get a little more extraction of the benefits of monetary policy, which are far more in their infancy overseas than they are here. And what we learned from Mario Draghi last week is he may not take it beyond that, that, that Keynesian endpoint, right? They may actually eliminate that super accommodative, super accommodative monetary policy before it does more harm than good.
0: Would Starbucks fall into this category? You mentioned caffeine, and it's global, and I understand they're going to be opening 400 stores in China this year.
2: A company like that would be a great example.
0: Yeah? Absolutely. What about looking for dividends?
2: I think that's critical, right? And, and again, the only thing that that leaves it um, less desirable is it's been so popular because the yield – curve has been so weak for so long that that income-starved investors have taken a little more risk and moved money into equity that otherwise would be allocated to fixed income. But I think dividends have to be critical as evidence of financial security of companies. The best thing you want to do if you're looking for dividend-paying companies here or overseas is be sure they are not levered dividends that have payout ratios that are not sustainable. So we're screening for that with activity so we can look for balance, and we can look for focus, and focus is a connotation of active management that we think is this market and the investor sort of traverses this tightrope between Washington and Wall Street, between economic ambiguity and interest rate ambiguity. You need to have the balance, and you also have that focus that would be active management with high free cash flow investments.
0: Hey, Doug, uh, Ari, right, so we did health care. You talked about uh, the uh, the dividend aspect of, of investing uh, as well as um, uh, giving. Your thoughts on uh, you know the, the global nature? What about I- investing in uh, uh, defense stocks? They certainly are global.
2: They're global, and, and again, I mean that that would have to fit a quant screen that for us is not often identified companies in that sector as attractive. Got it. So I, I, I do think that if you were going to play that based on the outcome of the election, it would be difficult. You know, if you go back to when Obama won in 2008, right, there were certain sectors that the world was assuming was going to, were going to right. perform terribly. Just the opposite has happened. A gun company like Sterman Ruger is a great example.
0: Got it. All right. Thanks very much. we got to run. Doug Sioka is the chief executive officer and partner of Kavar Capital Partners based in Leewood, Kansas. This is Bloomberg.